China and Hong Kong stocks are down and down big. The currency is weak again, and that weakness is spreading all across Asia. House prices in China just fell by the fastest rate in almost 10 years. And the macro situation refuses to improve no matter what escalating tactics Beijing comes up with. And the purges? Purges we haven't seen among top-level officials in the entirety of Xi Jinping's torturous reign. And you think, well, that's too bad for China and the Chinese. What does that have to do with the average person in the United States or around the Western world? And if the Chinese are thinking, well, we need to invade Taiwan in order to do something about the situation, that's going to be a problem for everyone else. But it needn't go that far to impact you or I, because there are any number of potential financial as well as more direct economic spillovers and impacts that are going to be a major theme for 2024, if they aren't already across the marketplaces. So the purges, those are essentially an indication of how intense the situation in China must be getting. How Xi Jinping is looking internally at the risks he's facing from all of these less than desirable conditions. And the purges in China have been building and building all throughout last year, but it's given the opaque situation and the lack of information that's often available, it's difficult to get a sense of really how things are going there. But the South China Morning Post just recently published a study that suggests our overall sense of how, how frequent they've become and how intense they might be and how, how much Xi Jinping really is tightening his grip might be correct. According to the SCMP, China's battle against corruption set new records last year, with the ruling Communist Party's anti-corruption watchdog launching probes into 45 senior officials, according to a tally by the South China Morning Post. The record number of investigations came five years after Chinese President Xi Jinping declared a crushing victory in his war on corruption, a sweep, sweeping crackdown that, has, that was launched in 2013. Now, the ongoing probe signals that he has little interest in letting up on an effort to clean up China's officialdom while pushing authorities even harder to implement his policies. That's the, the last part there is what we should be focused on here. It's under the guise of reform, but as SCMP notes, Xi Jinping declared victory on his corruption probes and his corruption war five years ago. So we have to ask the question, why now? And not just why now, why now and this particular set of targets? Here's Bloomer just recently too. China has abruptly unseated at least 15 senior military officials, including the highest level defense leader ousted since 2017. Again, we're coming back here. In the past, just in the past six months, the removal has been left unexplained by Beijing, but comes amid reports of graft probes roiling the upper echelons of the People's Liberation Army. And that upper echelons lately has been focused on the rocket forces or the missile forces part of the PLA. Now that's not an accident or it's not likely to be an accident. Again, we're just speculating here, but we think it's pretty sound and reasonable speculation. The rocket forces, the missile forces, the procurement of defense technology and defense material, those are often fiefdoms that are, that are governed by the princelings. And the princelings, and Xi Jinping is a princeling or a former princeling, Xi Jinping 
His father was a former high-level communist official who was actually purged during Mao's reign way back in the terrible days of the 1960s and early 1970s. So you think she would be more sensitive to this type of situation, but instead it seems like he's more likely to be acting on the same impulses. But essentially the princelings were the second generation, third generation of high communist party officials who were, who were essentially inheriting these various fiefdoms within the power structures of the communist party or the military or the economy. As such, these princelings, because they have their own power centers, could theoretically be a challenge to Xi Jinping's overall rule. Therefore, it would make sense if you're Xi Jinping and you're worried about some opposition, some grumbling among top-level officials over your handling of any number of things, but starting with the economy and financial system, what better way to send a message than to start arresting people for corruption within these power centers? And the biggest power center of them all not just missile, missile defense, but again, the procurement of technology, the procurement of material. I'm gonna come after you and those around you if you don't fall in line the way I like you, I would like you to. Essentially, I think that's what's going on with the Chinese here. The Xi Jinping is clamping down on maybe not just opposition, but the, even the potential for opposition by saying, I can get you where you live. I can get you even inside your power center. And I'm gonna do it in a way which will have the public on my side. This idea that missiles are filled with water and silos were only half built and the doors don't open, uh, that's, that's a little bit too far out there. Not that there isn't corruption in the Communist Party. Of course, there's always gonna be this huge levels of corruption in any top heavy system. But I think more and more we're seeing the very rational behavior of a man who understands the precarious shape that the country has become. That the economic risks are indeed political risks and it's better to take a proactive approach than let things fester. Because the more Beijing does as far as the economy, financial system, real estate, the less it has any impact, the more likely there is to be more serious opposition. So nip it in the bud, take target the power centers of the princelings, any possible potential rival, and cut them off at the knees. I think that's exactly what we're seeing. And the risks here are because the more China purges, the more you know Xi Jinping knows there might be opposition because the situation grows increasingly grim. The economic statistics, the financial statistics, the market behavior I talked about at the opening of this video, they all simply back up that point of contention. So the more Xi Jinping does, and he did a quite a lot last year, the more dangerous it actually must be. To answer the question, why now, we only need look at the latest round of economic data. A couple of days ago, I went over some of the financial statistics, prices, producer prices, consumer prices, exports, trade, that kind of thing. The Chinese just recently reported on the big three macroeconomic accounts. They reported on GDP for the fourth quarter. And of course, home prices, none of which were any good. Not that you would know that from Western media sources. First of all, GDP came in at just 1% quarter over quarter. That's real GDP, which is the one they manipulate the most. They can just change the deflator however they like. But even 1% quarter over quarter, that's not a good number. You go back to fourth quarter of 2019 for comparison's sake. And in the fourth quarter of 2019, GDP was 1.2% quarter over quarter, which was 
Not a good quarter. That was a quarter that had everybody worrying that China was heading for really hard times, which of course they did, and it wasn't just related to the pandemic. So 1% quarter over quarter in the fourth quarter is hardly the number you would expect given the level of input from official sources, fiscal stimulus, monetary quote-unquote stimulus too. At 5.2% year over year, that just barely met the soft target that officials had set out previously. And the reason it did was because of the manipulation over the deflator in the third quarter. So even GDP doesn't look all that great, certainly not what you would expect from such heavy influence and intervention from authorities. Industrial production in the month of December was up 6.8% year over year, which was the best annual rate since February 2022. And that's the one you heard in Western media sources, except that has a favorable base, base effect comparison to December of 2022 when China was just emerging for lockdowns. You look at it from a two-year perspective, industrial production was up just 4%, which is consistent with the global trade recession that we already saw reflected in Chinese trade statistics. Retail sales, 7.4% year over year, down from what was it, 10.1% year over year in November. But 7.4% sounds like a much better number than what China had been putting up all of last year. But again, base effects, favorable comparison. The two-year change was just 2.7%, another awful number. And there are any number of other sources that suggest and indicate Chinese consumers are not spending on services either. They are increasingly saving. And we'll talk about in a second what that means for the housing market. Fixed asset investment, which is another important macroeconomic condition in China, 3.0% for all of 2023. That's the accumulated rate, one of the lowest on record. Private FAI was actually negative for all of 2023, which seems impossible given all the lockdowns in 2022 that we're comparing to. So private FAI in 2023 was down 0.4% which was the first full year negative in China's history. Not even in 2020 did they get a negative private FAI because FAI came roaring back in the second half of the year. They at least got it to be plus 1% for the entire year in 2020. Just for comparison's sake again, we were all worried about China in 2019 when private FAI was at 5.4%. Now, now China's at minus 0.4% in 2023. Again, despite the fact that the Chinese government attempted a number of efforts to get everything back on track in the second half of last year. Maybe the biggest one, though, that's home prices. The NBS, China's National Bureau of Statistics, reported for the month of December that its 70-city home price average fell by 0.4% in the month of December alone. It was also down 0.4% year over year, but the monthly number Maybe it doesn't sound like a lot, but that was the biggest decline in Chinese home prices collectively across all these 70 cities since February 2015. It's an enormously discouraging sign, especially again, despite all the efforts to try to get China's real estate situation stabilized and turn everything around. Rather than turn around to the positive direction, this one signals that China may be turning a corner in the negative direction and maybe doesn't that have something to do with all of the sudden need to purge corruption from rocket forces that are power centers of princeling rivals. In addition to the macroeconomic data, we also have no faith from the marketplace. And by marketplace, I mean a couple different things. Chinese stocks continue to trade lower, and in January, they trade a lot lower. 
The Shanghai Index, for example, well, that one's been going down pretty much solidly and consistently since last May 8th. As soon as it became absolutely clear that reopening was not going to work, it was not going to have a positive impact or anywhere close to the any impact that everyone was expecting, the Shanghai Index has been almost on a straight, straight incline downward. And since May 8th of last year up until yesterday, it was down about 16%. And it keeps going no matter what happens, no matter what the authorities announce. Maybe that's more of a reflection of the political instability on top of the economic and financial instability as well. Another important stock exchange, one that I've talked about before on this channel, the Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong, because not only does that reflect Chinese conditions, it's also a pretty close intersection with euro dollar and global factors too. And the Hang Seng Index has traded with CNY, not in lockstep, but there's more than a passing correlation between the two for these obvious reasons. China factors as well as how those are affecting the, over, the overall global dollar climate, especially as it relates to Asia. What you see is the, the Hang Seng Index got up to around 18,200 in the middle of October. Then around the time that bond markets around the world started to catch a safety bid, suddenly the Hang Seng Index is moving in the other direction. Got down to around 17,000 by the end of November, went a little bit lower in December with interest rates. It's still around 17,000 by the end of the year. But in January, like a lot of other things that we see here, the Hang Seng Index has plummeted even further. As of yesterday, it was down to 15,276, which was barely above the 2022 lockdown lows. It is almost, it's, it's within sight of the lowest closing price or closing index value since 2009. So the Hang Seng is an important key indicator of money and China and factor and all these factors together. That one's not looking good and accelerating in, in January. In addition, the Hang Seng's China Enterprises Index fell sharply just recently. And that one is down 11% in January alone and 27% year over year. For, so as far as stock markets are concerned, there's not a whole lot of faith in anything related to China right now. We see that also in currency exchange values. CNY, which had run on a pretty solid run, though not nearly as big of a run as, not, big as, not nearly as big of a rebound as in the reopening late 2022 into early 2023. It was sort of a miniature uh, setback, or a miniature retracement here. But CNY, that had been sideways basically since no November 21st, that's now lower in January, uh, January 2024 as well, um, consistent with stock prices, though not quite moving as far as the stock market is. And that's uh, matching up and lining up with JPY, Japan's yen, suggesting that this weakness, this fear, this pessimism is spreading throughout the Asian, uh, Asian part of the global euro dollar system. And it is a dollar issue. Dollar bull is back in Asia in a big way. The yen, again, a terrible January so far. Started out around 140 yen to the dollar. As of yesterday and today, it's over 100. It's below 148 to the dollar. So pretty sharp move lower, uh, consistent with what we're seeing in China's yuan, as well as Korea's won. Just like CNY, KRW had been basically sideways since November 20th. After 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 getting some strength with uh, the the idea that maybe China's authorities were going to turn the situation around in China, therefore have a positive impact around the rest of the Asian economy. So January has been really bad in stocks. It's been really bad in currencies. Not a lot of faith in anything that's going on, whether it be financial, macroeconomic, or fiscal. 
the government's efforts to try to stabilize the situation, just not having the impact there. The real estate, housing prices, the credit statistics I cited in that previous video, banks are not lending, which goes along with everything else that we're talking about here. An economy that won't respond and recover, and a real estate situation that gets more perilous all the time. Of course, banks are going to pull back, even though they have Xi Jinping in Beijing breathing down their necks. And that's, I think, the biggest factor in all of this, the purging everything else. The Chinese government, Xi Jinping, understands the perilous situation in the economy, in the financial system, in real estate, in banking, and potentially in politics. While we don't know the level of opposition he might be facing, we'll probably never know, we can make some reasonable judgments about how he must be perceiving those risks by what he is actually doing. As I always say, the more the Chinese do, the worse you know it must be. The more purging that Xi Jinping does, the more dangerous the situation might be becoming. And this is not just risks for China. As I said in the beginning, the potential for spillover in more directly economic ways through merchandise trade, that's huge already. Financial spillover, if China's financial system becomes increasingly messy, there's all sorts of losses that can still be taken in the Eurobond market just as a start. And of course, if the situation becomes bad enough, there's also geopolitical risk. Does China launch an invasion on Taiwan as sort of a last ditch effort to keep everything held together? So any number of risks, not a whole lot of faith in markets, and it makes sense given the overall context. We don't have to like it, but we definitely need to be paying attention to all of these things together. For some more pretty startling data about the Chinese situation, including the financial stuff, what banks are up to over there in China, that's the video I've got linked below. As always, I do thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you as always, Eurodollar University members and subscribers. And until next time, take care.